0: Build Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability, with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark, with Andrew Gerza, shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, hello! Welcome to the show and welcome to a brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I am, of course, your host, Andrew Gerza, your Crip Crush Friday, your disabled heartthrob, your disabled boyfriend experience, etc., etc., and I'm excited you're here to have a whole brand new episode, so let's get to it. Actually, before we get to it, I want to make sure I do some proper housekeeping things before we, we get too invested in today's episode. I launched the Disability History Podcast last week. Um, it's slow going, people haven't really heard much about it yet, so if you like this podcast and the the tomfoolery and ridiculousness of this one. It's kind of like that, but there's a little bit more research involved in it. There's me looking at research around disability history. As we get going, I'll loosen up, I'm sure, but I want to create a podcast that we can all listen to around disability and history. So if you like this, head over to wherever you get your podcasts, except for Spotify, because this one And the other one are not on there. But go on to wherever you get your podcasts. Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes. And look for the Disabled History Podcast. Sorry, Disability History Podcast is the title. Look for that. Download it. Have a listen to the very first episode. I talk about the history of the word cripple. So I'd love for you to have a listen. Download that. Subscribe and we'll get more episodes going soon. And also, on that note, because I'm producing two shows now, if you wanted to pledge to both this program and the Disability History Podcast, you can now do so on the new Patreon page, patreon.com slash cripplecontent. That's C-R-I-P-P-L-E, content, all one word. I've changed it that way because, as you hear at the beginning of every episode, with this show... It comes from Crippled Content Creations. So I thought that Crippled Content was a good way to bring these shows together and then you don't have to pledge to two separate Patreon pages to support what what I'm doing in this work. So if you want to pledge, as little as $1 helps the show go. It helps me to to do podcast subscription services. helps me to do things like, you know, um, cool things like get, get different sound equipment, all that stuff. So pledge what you can, and uh, please support cripple Content. Okay, now really, on to the show. So a few months ago, back in December, on December the 2nd, I was invited to this big party for body acceptance because of my work with this podcast. They emailed me and said, Oh my God, Andrew, we love Disability After Dark, we love what you're doing, we love who you are, and all the things... You promote, which is always nice to hear. And so, not to humble brag, but they were like, would you come to this event and just be there? You don't have to speak or do anything of that nature, but just be there with us. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. Like, yes, of course, thank you, yes. And I was always humbled to be asked. And whenever somebody asks me to come to events like that, I always feel like, whoa, my work is actually doing things. That's awesome. So I was, of course, said yes. And there was an, an event in Toronto, and so at this event, there was a big dance party. After all the speeches and all the talks and all the things on how you should love your body, we all decided to get down and have a dance party. Now, usually when I dance, it's at clubs. Typically, if I go to dance, it's at a gay bar. Which, as you may or may not remember from episode 12, and possibly many other episodes, because I can't quite remember when I've said this, I don't always feel comfortable in these spaces. And in fact, I never dance when I'm at a a gay bar. I walk around, or roll around in my chair rather. Let's just say walk. I walk around in my mobility device kind of awkwardly trying to get in and trying to be cool. But dancing is a rarity. And so yeah, I'll go around and I'll try to flirt with cute boys and I'll try to do all the things. And I'll typically leave that environment, that thump-a-thump-a-dance party, feeling super inadequate and like, why the fuck am I here? What did I do this for? This is a waste. And so I never really feel, but I, I don't actually like let loose and dance. I, I, I very rarely will do that at a club. This event didn't have any of the markers of one of, like a, a gay club and any of the weird awkwardness that I feel there wasn't really there this event was really open chill the music was fun and retro the crowd was completely different all of that was there the people didn't carry themselves with a judgmental air that so many of us if we are not white cisgendered or able-bodied encounter in these spaces and that felt really nice to be able to go into the space as a disabled person and just be with people without any expectation was really nice And again, a complete rarity in my experience trying to dance. So, just before all the dancing started, I still nervously went around the room trying not to be in the way or anything because, P.S., the ableism around being the only wheelchair user, power wheelchair user especially, in a space can be very, very real and very, very hard to cope with at times. This can be especially true when in spaces where non-disabled people get to use their bodies to move, walking, dancing, talking, cavorting in kind of those clusters that we do when we're at these parties, when you're a person with a power chair, and i say power chair specifically because they tend to be a lot bigger, when you're a person in a power chair, your ideas of space and feeling free and feeling like you're able to just go around feel are very much limited by the size and scope of your power chair. And as a power chair user, there's always a moment when I'm watching non-disabled people in these spaces dance and do the things. I'm always watching this happen and I'm thinking, wow, what would it be like to be able to move like that? What is that like? Seriously, there are times where I'll spend an inordinate amount of time watching people move, people watching and doing all that stuff and trying to imagine myself in their position what would it be like for my body to just relax and be able to have all the muscle coordination in the world to do these movements to have fine motor skills <laughs> to not go spastic and throw things everywhere or to just move my legs and my arms and my body in a way that i want to without huge grand motions and subtlety what is that like what would that feel like and how would i be able to add sensuality into those movements with my body I often think about this when I watch people move or dance or interact in those kind of dancey moments. I'm wondering, I always wonder where my body would fit if things were a little bit different. When I was little, as part of my physiotherapy regimen, which I'm sure I've mentioned before that I hated, by the way, but when I was little, as part of that regimen, my mom would put me in my little tiny walker and dress me up like... Michael Jackson in the Smooth Criminal video and make me dance back and forth in my walker. Now, this is an image that I wish I had video of somewhere that I don't. But it was a really cute thing that we did. And I then, I you know, I fell in love with the idea of dancing because it got my body to move. I always, I've always loved dancers like Michael Jackson and dancers like Christina Aguilera and dancers who do it more professionally also um, because it's, like, really... It's just really, really sensual and it's something that my body's never been able to do and I'm so envious of people that have that ability. My friend, my one friend in university was a cheerleader and I used to go watch them dance in unison and I would be so jealous, seething with appreciation and both jealousy at the same time because I wanted to be there and I wanted to do that and I wanted to be in unison with the group looking super hot doing that. So I have a thing for backup dancers, by the way. I am fascinated with shows like So You Think You Can Dance and, again, backup dancers because they exude a confidence that I have deep within myself in terms of, like, body movement and things that I really can't exude because of muscle stuff. And I would love to be able to, like, sway my hips. And you've heard me talk about how I can't thrust. I'd love to be able to do that in a a dancey way to entice somebody to come over and, and, you know, dance with me. But I can't. So when I see backup dancers or people who are really good at it and really into it, it ignites this internalized ableism thing in me that's like, I really wish that I could do that that way, but I can't. And and so I'm envious, but also really mad at my body at that point. There's a lot more to come on this episode of Disability After Dark, but first we're going to play some ads from our awesome sponsor and some great listeners. So... We'll do that and we'll be right back on Disability After Dark, the podcast shining light on sex and disability with your host, Andrew Gerza. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by the worker owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carries sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Get free shipping at www.comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I've started producing minisodes of Disability After Dark, and if you're like, Hey Andrew, what's a minisode? Let me tell you. Well, these are 10-minute little, tiny little, mini little, teeny little gems of Disability After Dark goodness where you write in your thoughts, feelings, and desires about sexuality and disability and I read them back to you on the air. So, we're up to Minnesota number four and I'd love for you to write in and let me know your feelings. Kind of like a dear Abby, but more like, hey, fellow dear disabled person, Here are my thoughts. Let's talk about this. Kind of like that. So if you want to write in, send me an email to andrew at andrewgerza.com using the subject line Minnesota, and we'd love to have you and your voice on the show. This is also fantastic for people with limited speech abilities and, and different ways of communicating who would rather communicate if I read it back to you. So send in your Minnesodes. Thanks so much. I want to thank of course our sponsor, Come As You Are. All the patrons who pledged to the Patreon page for making this show go. Thanks all of you. And now let's get back to this brand new episode. So back to this party. I'm hanging out, I'm I'm enjoying myself. The music is really good. Everything is fun. I'm having a great time. Everything's really great. And then I just let loose, I was just like going, my hands were going, I was flailing about. And when you have a disability, letting loose, when you have a disability rather that makes every muscle and every movement like a little mini battle over your mind and your crippled body, letting loose in any way is kind of a feat all on its own, all by itself. So my hands were flailing about and I was doing my one move which involves, I literally only have one move. I know people say they only have one move, but I literally, because of disability, I have one solid move. One move. And th- this involves a lot of spastic arm movement. I guess you could say it's like a version of the sprinkler if the sprinkler had a massive kink in the hose. Now, I'm sure there's a sexy Inuenu in there somewhere, but I'm too too tired to search for it. So there it is. But my my dancing movement is like, one solid spastic jerky move that looks like a broken version of the sprinkler. But for the very first time in what felt like a very long time at this event, dancing with these people that I didn't know and not caring how I looked, I felt free. I wasn't bound by the thumpa-thumpa strictures of gay bars, and that felt really, really nice. I could just be the goofy, nerdy, awkward, queer cripple that all of you who are listening have come to know and love. I've always loved feeling this way when it comes to dancing, the feeling of being free, and so I wanted to look at doing an episode that more readily explored the links between dance, disability, and sexuality. George Bernard Shaw called dancing the vertical expression of a horizontal desire legalized by music. Darwin believed that dancing was also was always a part of the mating selection process. And if you look at many animals in our world, quote-unquote, dancing is often how they quote each other. There's birds that do it. There are other animals that do it. That, I mean, I've seen, I've watched a lot of, I watch lot, I, I don't have the bird, the names here, but I do watch on Netflix. David Attenborough has a lot of things. And I watch tons of nature documentaries. If you really want to have a Netflix and Cripple with me, invite me over for a a David Attenborough nature-watching documentary moment, and I will probably totally sleep with you because that's my jam. Um, Anyway, my whole point is that there are many animals in the world that also dance as as a form of courtship. So we have birds, we have giraffes doing it, but when was the last time you saw those birds or giraffes using a mobility device during this courtship dance? Right, think about it. Picture a giraffe in a in a big wheelchair trying to dance around with their big long necks and picture those birds in a wheelchair trying to dance around with their big long necks. My point is, is that when you have a mobility device and a disability that requires a mobility device, the idea of dancing as a sexual courtship can look different. As I was looking around and doing research for this part, I found an article that was in Psychology Today that looked at linkages between sex and dancing in humans and suggested that we may use dancing as a way to convey to the world that we have good genes. I giggled when I read that because I thought, what would my spastic jerky dance convey to the world? <laughs> that this guy's trying really hard, but no, no, I don't think I'll make with him because no, 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 no. no. Um, There's also a lot of research that connected the uncoordinated dancer to higher levels of testosterone, and therefore, in many ways, was considered scientifically unappealing. Now, of course, this looked at only the the heteronormative ideas of dancing, but people who had more testosterone were unappealing, and I had to laugh again because my whole experience of dancing lives in this amazeball space of absolutely no coordination whatsoever. That's kind of my jam when it comes to dancing. I have no coordination and I own that I have no coordination and I'm okay with it. Again, so much of what I was reading came back to the experience of letting go and just enjoying yourself and so I, I highlighted that and I'm gonna say it again. They just talked about letting go a lot and so I think to connect it to disability, this can be really important to this can be a really important thing to remember with respect to dancing, sexuality, internalized ableism, and, of course, disability. All this research that I looked at, though, this initial research that I was finding, wasn't and isn't connected in any way to the experiences of being disabled in in dancing. So I wanted to see if sexuality was included when we talk about disability and, and dance. A lot of what I found were organizations across the world who were looking to assist people with disabilities to dance, to better their health, and to provide a social lubricant for them to do stuff, which is fair and true and awesome. But also, I think I had trouble when I read that, you know, dancing would be better for your disability and better for your impairment, and that was troubling to me because it did tinge with just a touch of ableism, and that was troubling for me. But as I was reading, there was minimal discussion as to dance as it related to sexuality at all. There was a lot of discussion as to dance needing to represent the disabled body, which of course is important, and I agree with that totally. There was ample discussion on how dance has transformed the industry of dance and has created an an industry within that of its own. But again, rarely did the two worlds connect, when it came to turn when it came to discussing or turning disabled dancing into something sexually and sensually appealing. And you know, as a power chair user, I can see how that's hard. Mobility devices, power chairs specifically, is what we're gonna be talking about. And walkers too, with all their clicks, starts, jerks, and jumps, often make it hard to imbue the subtleties and the unspoken movements that make dancing sexy. When we think of a, a non-disabled dancer, we think of, you know, body language and slow, subtle movements that are dancy and kind of sexy and kind of inviting. When you're in a 260-pound piece of metal that clicks and jumps every time you move, coming into that kind of quiet sensuality when you're dancing can be almost impossible And also now, as I think about it, I didn't write this down, but I'm thinking about it as I record, when you are a non-disabled dancer or a fully able-bodied dancer, you can create subtleties with your body that a wheelchair doesn't allow you to do, and it doesn't allow you to come in in a way that is sensual. And there have been many times where I've wanted my chair to do things where one of my chair to turn on a dime or coming closer and I end up running up running somebody over and trying to be like oh sorry I was trying to come in and dance and be sexy there and so there is a lot of reliance on if you're at a club the able-bodied person to come in to you to dance because you can't come into them because it probably looks like you're gonna be barreling them down which is not sexy at all so many times at clubs I have been asked by people hey do dance for me in your wheelchair. Like, make your wheelchair dance, and I would, you know, you would... If the person was super hot and I wanted to maybe make out with them later or, you know, get naked later, I would oblige them, but this is never for me. This is not ever dancing for me. This is me trying to impress the able-bodied person and show them that, look, I can do the thing you can do, just like you can do it, and that's not always been... That never feels sexy for me. I want to dance in my nerdy, jerky way because I want to, not for you able-bodied person to feel like me dancing is a thing for you or like a good thing that you're doing by getting me to dance. No, that's weird. I've also dreamt of being a go-go dancer. I know, I'll let that image sink in just for a minute. You're picturing me in my wheelchair. You're picturing me in a cage. You're picturing me with a harness on. Many of those things are true, minus the cage part. Um, but you're picturing me dancing to like Thumba thumpa music with a bunch of with a bunch of, in my case, dudes around me. Um, yeah, that's a hot image. I'll let that sink in for just a minute. Um, but I do want to be a go-go dancer for a few reasons. One, I think being up on stage and being able to dance for people can be empowering. And I think as a disabled person up on that kind of in a cage or in a on a riser doing that could be really, really important and could create, could make the disabled sensuality the focal point, which I think is awesome. I think at a gay club to see that would be fucking incredible. I would lose my mind with awesomeness if that was happening. Cough, cough, somebody call me. Also, my go-go dancer stage name would be Spastic Andy or Spastic Candy. One of the two, I don't know. But it would be really awesome to have that opportunity and I think it would be super important for our communities to see disabled dancers doing that kind of stuff. I also found a shit ton of articles saying why dancers were the best in bed. Of course, they were all riddled with ableism about what they can do and how they can move their bodies and basically saying that the only way to be a dancer is to move your body a certain way. It was gross. But I think that one of the ways the, to dance with the disability that is sexy, is because you've exude this confidence where, when I was dancing a few months ago at this party, I wasn't dancing because I cared. I was dancing because I liked the music and I liked the song and I was enjoying myself and I was letting my disability be a part of that. I was letting my disability be a part of that experience to just be in my body and so many times when I am connecting sensuality and sexuality and disability Even though I talk about it all the time and it's a part of this experience and the whole reason that I'm doing this exact podcast right now is because of it, I also try... There are many little micro things I've said or will say that push disability away from it. And when I dance, my disability is enjoying it too in a weird way. Um, And if you can laugh and play and dance with how funny, annoying, and spastic disability can be on the dance floor, that's indeed letting go, and I think that is really sexy. That can be attractive as fuck, even though it can be difficult sometimes to get there emotionally. I also think that if you are there emotionally, you could teach, and you're disabled, and you're a wheelchair user, or you're a mobility device user, or you're somebody with a invisible disability that makes dancing awkward and weird, but you want to dance anyway, um... So, you, I think we can teach non disabled people who are like just awkward in clubs to use. We can use our disabilities to show them how, you know, funny and ridiculous and sexy dancing can be just by letting go a little bit. And letting go of that internalized ableism and that all the things that make it feel weird to do the things as a disabled person can be sexy as fuck. So, I do agree with a lot of the stuff that I read. Saying we should let go, and I think we should, as disabled people, we should dance more. I think we, I think those programs that are designed around dancing and disability should also have sections where, where you talk about how you want to fuck and dance at the same time, and how you want to use your dancing to be sex, to be sexual and sensual. And I think those programs need to move away from ability and start embracing dancing and disability. So, to all my disabled dorks, my gims, my cripples, get on the dance floor and dance. Not for anybody else, but for you and your disability to bond with each other in a way that's fun and playful and ridiculous. And that might be sexy as fuck and might actually get you laid. And the sensuality is in, is in not giving a fuck because in not giving a fuck, you might actually get a fuck. Be a spectacle. Be in the way. Be a... Be, you know, let your big wheelchair, you know, m- move people out of the way when you're there and just enjoy it. Enjoy the freedom to dance. Enjoy your spastic body not being able to move exactly the same way. Enjoy that you can, you know, if you're lucky enough to be able to move your body at all, enjoy that you can... And know that your exuberance and your enjoyment and how ridiculous you look could be, the, could be the linchpin to get you laid. And lastly, anybody who owns a go-go dancing option or anybody in Toronto who does go-go dancing and wants to try something new, call me. I am Spastic Andy and I'm waiting for you to ring my number. Alright, so that's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I'm, of course, your host, Andrew Gerza. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of this. If you want to follow my work, you can head on over to www.andrewgerza.com or follow me on Twitter at Andrew Gerza. You can also follow the Disability After Dark podcast on Twitter by following Pod. You can also follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash disabilityafterdark. It would also be super awesome if you could leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts so more people can hear about the show. And if you are able and want to support the show, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash content. This way we can do, do things like get better equipment... You help me make a living doing this thing. You help support content made by and for people with disabilities, so I can't thank you enough. And you can pledge whatever you can and as little as $1 a month to make it as financially accessible as possible. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time, right here on Disability After Dark. Copyright notice. Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations, with music by Chris Ugiuchi. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright Crippled Content Creations, 2018.